If you would turn with me to Galatians chapter 1, the letter to Galatians chapter 1. Guests, this is a safe place to be new to the Bible. Don't worry if you didn't bring your own Bible. You can just go Google Galatians 1 and, and the letters ESV or English Standard Version. That's what we're reading from. I'll do all the rest. You're going to want to follow along and see it for yourself. The letter to the Galatians chapter 1 beginning with verse 1. The translator heading reads very profoundly, greeting. <laughs> We begin our study of what has been called the Apostle Paul's most explosive letter. The Apostle Paul's most explosive letter. This letter or book of the Bible is not like the other books of the Bible. And in particular, the New Testament it is, has a number of unique features that set it apart. For example, there is no small talk at the beginning. Listen, there's no small talk at the beginning. No big greetings. No, I miss you guys. No encouragement. No mentions of prayers for them. No plans mentioned that they, I'm going to come back and visit you. There aren't even any names. No names of any of the recipients of this letter. You might say, it's not very nice. <laughs> Actually, the the Paul, Apostle Paul is going to say a number of very hard things. And to be clear, I set your expectations right up front. To be clear, if you find yourself over the next few months as we study this letter, this book, assuming that Paul at some point is going to let off the gas, you know, just socially appropriate, maybe offer some kind of relief or resolve this letter, listen, this letter ends as abruptly as it begins. Actually, if you flip, uh, flip a page or two and you find yourself right at the end, the second to the last verse there, chapter 6, verse 17, let me show you just to set expectations. Here's the second to the last verse, verse 17, chapter uh, of the book, verse 17 of chapter 6. Paul writes, from now on, here's his conclusion, no, no, <laughs> Let no one cause me trouble. <laughs> For I bear on my marks, on my body, the marks of Jesus. This letter, listen, this letter is like no other weather letter. It is a wake-up call, a warning. It's a correction. It's an emergency correspondence signal. Paul sounds the alarm and goes toe-to-toe -to -toe with the religious leaders who have been dogging him since the very beginning at the start of his ministry. Some of them literally have been stoning him to stop him, executing him, attempting to execute him, for speaking about Jesus. This letter, if you've been around recently and following along in our study through the book of Acts, I love, I love that we're doing this. This letter was written and distributed just about the time where we left off in Acts last Sunday. Somewhere in there. Paul and Barnabas had just completed their first missionary trip in the history. It was the first missionary trip in the history of the church. They returned to Antioch, this very important city and church that had sent them out on the trip. And they returned with stories of God's power and his work spreading throughout the entire known world. Everyone, everyone in Antioch, Paul and Barnabas, they're rejoicing. Everyone's celebrating. It's a wonderful homecoming in Acts chapter 14. And then... Listen, and then sometime afterwards, Paul the Apostle receives a very disturbing report. This letter is his response. 
So would you look with me? <laughs> so we begin with chapter 1, verse 1. I'll read, then pray briefly, follow along, verse 1. Paul, an apostle, not from men, nor through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead and all the brothers who are with me to the churches of Galatia. Verse 3. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age according to the will of our God and Father to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. The very words of God. Would you join me in a brief prayer that we might understand them. Father, Heavenly Father, speak to us now. Arrest our attention. Melt our hearts. Peel the scales from our eyes that we might see and hear and believe and entrust ourselves to you father thank you for this letter thank you for those that precede us preceded us that that carried this letter all the way to sovereign grace church of orange may it change us as individuals and and as a congregation may it bring you pleasure as we feast upon your book in jesus name amen Amen. Now listen, Paul, the Apostle Paul, had never written a letter like this letter before. First time. Paul, Paul, Paul had never written a letter like this letter before. As best I understand it, this is his first. A letter that on one level is totally explainable. His friends and the churches that he had founded throughout the regions, the region of Galatia, were in trouble. Why would he not write them a letter or today maybe send an email, right, or a message or a phone call or Lord forbid, a Zoom meeting request? We, we, we can assume that he wrote many letters, as did others during the early years of the church. However, however, this letter is far more than a letter. This letter is more than a letter from Paul. This letter is a letter that finds its inspiration outside of any one man's motivation, including Paul. There's, there's something bigger at work here in this letter, something outside of Paul the Apostle, something, someone driving, someone driving Paul to pen these words. And his name is Jesus. The world had never seen a letter like this before. The world had never known a letter like the letter to the Galatians, though we have more since. And, and, but I think, I think, in part, that's why this opening introduction is written the way it is, different than Paul's other letters. Briefer, more to the point, you could say a little more formal, 
forceful than the other letters that we find in the New Testament. Why? Because, because this introduction serves primarily as an authentication. An authentication. Uh, not unlike, you know, you buy these collectibles or whatever it is, or you, you get something that, uh, uh, and you get that little seal on it, whether it's a collectible or it's a, it's a rare item one, uh, sold by Target throughout the world, whatever it is. And you get one of those little gold foil stickers, right, with a hologram on it or whatever, whatever they got printed on that, telling you, helping you, signaling to you, this one's the real deal. You can trust. You can trust it. And in this case, even more to the point, Paul's saying, you can receive it. You can receive this letter for what it is. The very words of God himself. Delivered through a pen on paper, carried by couriers and scholars and churchmen around the world and even today into our hands and on our phones. To be received. And that's what Paul's got in mind here as he opens his letter. He wants, he wants them, he wants us. God wants us to receive. That, that's, that's, what, that's what these first five verses are all about. This morning we begin a season of receiving the letter to the Galatians as it truly is a letter to us, Sovereign Grace Church of Orange. And so, we peer into the hologram on the sticker, and we try to understand what is it that will help us trust that this is what it is. So, begin inspecting the certificate of authenticity, verse 1, point number 1, first observation. The author of this letter, the author is sent by God. The author is sent by God. We receive this letter as a letter from God because God has sent us, commissioned for us, this author, Paul. Look again, verse 1. Watch Paul explain. Verse 1, Paul, an apostle, not from men, nor through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. Stop right there. That, that word apostle, Right? It has a range of meanings in the scriptures. There's more than 12 people called apostles in the Bible. But, but, but maybe in its simplest form, that term apostle is, is defined in its simplest terms, defined as a person sent with the authority of the one who sent them, sent with the authority of another, an emissary or an ambassador, an apostle, a representative that stands in the place of the one who commissioned him or her to go in the first place and speak for him. Paul is saying rather bluntly, I am an apostle. Woodenly in the original language, the letter starts, Paul, apostle. First two words. And this is so critical. Listen, this is so critical as to why we must do with this letter what we must do. For if indeed this is from an apostle, rather than any random ancient guy with a blog or a Twitter account talking to us, if this is an apostle, then we can safe, be safe to assume the apostle is speaking for the one who sent him. And if the one who sent him is God, then he's speaking for God and not for himself and not for anyone else isn't that what the verse actually says look again Paul an apostle 
Not from men. No, no man has sent me here. Not through man. It's nothing that I've done or anyone's done that is, has made this possible, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. Remember, he's alive and he's reigning and he's ruling and he has sent me, Paul is saying. Listen, and if you believe this, if you believe that Paul, an apostle, if you believe that, then you read this altogether differently than you do all the other things that you read. <laughs> this comes with authority from the one who sent the author. This comes with authority. It comes with truthfulness and otherworldliness. These aren't the musings of a man <coughs> or a pastor or a, a party or even a particular church who has a unique perspective on things. Now, this is God addressing man. Period. This is the witness of the one who is the Word. Right? That's what, how John opens his gospel. You don't need to turn there, but right, he says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then later he says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Listen, listen, this, this letter, and for that matter, the entire canon of Scripture, if, if this is true, and Paul is writing as Paul the Apostle of Jesus Christ, then none of what follows is open to evaluation or correction. It can't be disregarded dismissed, ignored, anything contrary to what it says is false and untrue, this becomes the gold standard, a certificate of authenticity. This is infallible, without error. I love how, if you're wondering, what gives Paul the gall <laughs> to play the apostle card? I love, I love how John Piper, a pastor from the Midwest, explains in his book about the truthfulness of the Bible, a peculiar glory. I highly recommend it. You can get it for free online. A peculiar glory about the truthfulness of the Bible. John Piper writes, the claim of the apostles to speak with unerring truthfulness in Christ by the Holy Spirit, this is, that's, the, that's the inspiration, God working through Paul, the Holy Spirit grabs that pen, motivated his heart and his mind, all of them, I gotta write this letter to my friends in these churches, there's urgency here, all of it being motivated not by Paul's emotions, but by the Spirit of God. It says, the claim of the apostles to speak with unerring truthfulness in Christ by the Holy Spirit is an organic outgrowth of the Old Testament hope, listen, and of the incarnation of the Son of God as Jesus the Messiah. The apostles did not thrust themselves on the church with imaginary claims of prophetic inspiration. They were called and appointed by the Old Testament fulfilling divinely sent Messiah. Listen, their truthfulness, the, the apostles' truthfulness and what they wrote, their truthfulness and authority stands or falls with his, Jesus. Their truthfulness and authority stands or falls with 
his. If you believe Jesus, you will believe those that he sent to write letters like this. This, this is why, Paul, Paul says this later, he gets better at writing letters, maybe a little more polite, whatever it is. This is why Paul in le later letters, he says things like, we are not like so many peddlers of God's word, but as men of sincerity, as commissioned by God, in the sight of God we speak in Christ, or, or we have renounced disgraceful, un, underhanded ways. We refuse to practice cunning or to tamper with God's word, but with an open statement of the truth, we would commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. <laughs> we have been sent to speak on his behalf to you to us. If you notice there, verse 2, that Paul mentions anyone else in the equation is to simply say, and they agree. <laughs> they agree with me. Verse 2, look at that. Ah, Paul, the apostle, and, and all the brothers who are with me. All the brothers who are with me to the churches of Galatia, to Sovereign Grace Church of Orange, receive this message as a message from Jesus. Open your hearts. Take down your guard. Position yourselves as learners and students, as disciples. One, ones who need nourishment for our souls. Don't pick it apart. <laughs> as if we're some kind of forensic detectives. And the goal here is discover all the Easter eggs that, between the lines of this letter. This isn't an Easter egg hunt here. This is a meal. This isn't about the words, okay? When we read the Bible, when, when, when God is speaking to us, it's not about the words primarily. It, it's an encounter with God himself. Who is the word? You see, the, the, the original recipients of this letter needed to decide who was telling the truth. Who Jesus is, what he had accomplished, and how they were going to respond to it and live. And that hasn't changed. We must do the same. We must decide, as we read this letter, who is telling the truth. <laughs> you must decide, as we study this letter, who is telling the truth? Listen, I, I'm urging you, Sovereign Grace Church, and I love it because I know everyone's leaning forward and we love, we love God's word and, and, and we, we mark our, the seasons of our church life by the books that we study together and we hear proclaimed from this pulpit. But, but I'm gonna urge you all the more in the weeks and the months to come, no different than any other Sunday, but remember this letter is probably Paul's most explosive letter some of you, I predict, some of you, I predict, if I were a betting man, are going to be challenged by what is said here in this letter. I know I will. May we receive it as the very words of God. Point number two. Point number two, he's going to, Paul's arguing that you've got to take this letter, receive it. Point number two, the message of the letter, the message is God's gospel. The message is God's 
gospel. We receive this letter as a message from God about God's message to the world. It's, listen, this, this letter is not like any of the other letters that had come before. This letter is revelation, a revealing, a divine supernatural disclosure. It's more than just an email. Listen, not something anyone made up. This is not the ruminations of a man who had just returned home by the skin of his teeth only to hear that other men who we will soon find out next week are playing cleanup sweeping across galatia following along and undoing all the things that he nearly gave his life to accomplish and to spread no no this is god's message to me to us nothing more and nothing less. In, in what functions as a mark of authenticity of everything that follows, Paul writes, verse 3, if you'd look with me, perhaps impossible to put in more purer terms the very core and crux of everything we believe. Christianity itself, verse 3. Paul writes, grace to you, and peace from God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age according to the will of our God and Father. Listen, add anything and you ruin this. Add anything and you ruin it. All of it. Don't kid yourself. We are all in danger of adding something to the mix and turning this into something other than God's gospel. His message we're all at risk all of the time. I think I do it daily. Just stop for a moment and ask yourself, what must a Christian do to be a Christian? And if you got anything else other than what's right in there, you might be spoiling it. This is pure. Paul puts it right up front. You want certificate of authenticity this is pure unadulterated gospel good news delivered to us grace unmeasured grace free peace in your souls peace with god peace with others no more being broken no more sickness no more wanting wholeness and safety and security on the account of receiving the aforementioned grace grace and its fruit peace to you Grace and peace to you. From who? From God. God's gospel. That's why all this is here. If you're wondering, why would he, why is it all up right up front? You might say in, in boldest relief. Before we get to anything else, Paul said, the origin of the message that I am about to defend and proclaim to you is sourced from God himself. The substance of this gospel won't be me, won't be you, won't be us, but will be Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. The, the scope, Paul is going to argue for, is global. It's going to all the nations, and especially the Galatians, who are Gentiles and not Jews, which feels like an innovation at this moment in history, but isn't. It's been happening all along. We just went and studied the whole book of Genesis. And especially the scope reaches you and I in this room this morning who have little in common with the culture here. 
Look again, verse 3. Oh, this is so pure. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself. He, he gave himself willingly, his life. For our sins, Paul writes, he was a sacrifice at its very root. He stood in our place. He assumed a debt that we owed on account of all the treasonous acts we had committed against him, let alone our very heritage and nature itself, all standing as enemies against him. It says that he gave himself willingly for the forgiveness of the sins I will commit tomorrow morning so that so that even as I wrestle with myself I'll experience peace that's the gospel why He's delivering us, Paul writes, from the present evil age. And just stop there again and think, so what has changed? You know, our circumstances are different. California is a rough place to be a Christian. <laughs> Paul's first letter, and remember, he had just been drug out of a city stoned, right? And I'm like, they don't really like me on Twitter, <laughs> you know, whatever it is, <laughs> to present us from this the, the, the present evil age. We're still living in that age. And then, according, see, according to the will of our God and Father, a plan since the beginning of time to save you and me on account of nothing you and me are or will do in spite of us. Let me offer you my summary of Galatians. You know, if I were a biblical scholar or something like that, I might, I might have uh, maybe something more, more complex or bigger words, but, but I don't because I'm not. Listen, there, there, there's a dispute going on here. There's a dispute going on here. That's what we're about to find. Oh, goodness, he's going to pick it up. You're, it's going to be a little bit of whiplash next week. Make sure you wear your seatbelts. There's a dispute going on here. And, and, and when we return, actually, when we finish this book, and Lord willing, sometime in the spring, we jump back into Acts whiplash again because we're going to find out that in chapter 15 of Acts, we pick up the narrative of what's been going on, and you're going to find everybody gathering in Jerusalem like one big courtroom, a council gathers to, to debate and decide what does a person need to do to be saved, to be a Christian, to be a follower of Christ, to be a recipient of this grace and peace. Here, here's my summary. <laughs> this... <laughs> This will be Galatians' contribution to the conversation that's been going on in the first century between Acts 14 and 15, all the way up till today. Paul's going to make an argument over and over again that you have a choice to make. 
You can live free. Or you could die. I used to be an East Coaster. I love New Hampshire's motto. Right? Why, we, we have like a website on the bottom of our license plate. But in New Hampshire, everyone drives around and on the back of their car says, live free or die. Galatians is like the, it's, I think it's Martin Luther that said, it's the Magna Carta, the Magna Carta of Christian freedom. We, we studied this book together before most all of you were in it, 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 uh, a part of the church way back when the church started meeting for the first time in, in Irvine. And the phrase we used over and over again was, give me Christ or else I die. From an old hymn. If I can't have him and only him, if you add anything to him or take anything that he has done away from him, I die. Maybe I've just gathered a little bit more modern <laughs> Sovereign Grace Church. The message we preach and that I hope we are known for can all be distilled and summed down to you can live free. Oh, and this is a book about freedom. Or you can die. One author, uh, Chad Bird, he, he wrote, and this is my prayer as, as we study this pure, unadulterated gospel here, maybe in its most primitive form. He, he wrote, and I, I, hope, I hope this is true of us. He said, show me one who has been unshackled by Christ's key of forgiveness. Show me one, a person, who has been unshackled by Christ's key of forgiveness, and I will show you the freest person in the world. Give us Christ that we might be free or else we die. That's why we sing the songs we sing. That's why so often it feels like we're constrained by this one message. And we don't have all these other messages. This is it. This is it. Add something to it. And we're all in danger of perishing. God forbid that at some point, oh, in the past, now, or in the future, someone hears from us you want to live free, free from the tyranny of this evil present age and the sinfulness of your heart and the brokenness of this world? Well, listen, you need to trust Christ and fill in the blank. Live a certain way. Dress a certain way. Drive a certain car or don't drive a certain car. I remember, I don't know if there's anyone in the church that does this, but I remember 20, 30 years ago, we're living in, living in San Diego. I bought my first house. We purchased our first house. And I remember thinking, Christians don't buy houses behind gates. <laughs> because well, how are you going like, to invite people to your houses if you got gates? And, and sadly enough, it, it became some sort of little litmus test. <laughs> some of the houses of my friends behind gates 
they were the cheap houses. <laughs> like, you know, like, like, you know, they were in some development that they threw up a gate making everyone feel like they were comfortable, but you knew if you just pulled up and waited behind the other car or the FedEx truck, you could go in too. Like it meant anything. So when they invited us over, what did we do? We waited for the FedEx truck and then we went in. Just add anything. You want to be a Christian? You want to be a follower of Jesus? You want to experience grace and peace? Well, you're going to have to have Jesus and a set of rules. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. God's going to call us to live a certain way. And that's the wonderful response. If you're tracking through the book of Galatians, I'd encourage you. We got a PDF online that's got none of the numbers and all that stuff in there. It's just got the words so you can just read it and just enjoy it. Just sit down in 40 minutes or so and just read the letter and you're going to find it goes from all this give me Christ or else I'll die to and now by the power of the Spirit I am becoming like the one I'm following. So it's all right there. But Lord, may it be that people would say, we have been unshackled by Christ's key of forgiveness. And so we appear to be the freest people in the world. Point number three, last point. The author, Paul's saying this, this certification here of what's about to come. The author has been sent by God. The message is God's message. It's God's gospel. This good news. And finally, the purpose of this letter is to bring glory to God. The purpose is to bring glory to God. The purpose of this letter for you and I It's not even that you and I would change. It's not that you and I would be a certain kind of people, but simply that those who receive it would in turn glorify God. Read the book and enjoy Him. Read the book, savor Him. Read the book, rejoice in Him. Read the book, trust in him and find the result of this grace which is peace listen look at look down there he adds it right there it's right there at the beginning it's not at the end as i read to you at the as i i began with the don't be giving me any trouble anymore but here verse five it's for his glory to whom be the glory forever and ever he starts out his letter with amen Amen. And you can imagine, could you not imagine, as I can imagine, that we could get through the Paul the Apostle and this pure, unadulterated gospel, and in the end, somehow find a reason to boast, to feel superior. Here's a danger, I think this is why we're in Galatians, that we not think, we get it. Sovereign Grace Church of Orange, we get it. We, we, we get it. You, you don't get it, but we get it. That, that other Christian on your street who doesn't read the same books you read, doesn't come to Sovereign Grace Church of Orange, uh, they don't get it. We get it. 
we, we could turn this into about us, right? We could turn this into about us, about our church, ab- ab- against everything else other than what we get and they don't get. I get it, you get it, they don't get it. End of story. To us be the glory. This is a danger. I, I, would, I would even say, my prayer, that this book would cut us to our knees. Feeling and experiencing freedom, being the freest people in the world, and because we're the freest people in the world, we give God glory in everything we do. No boasting about anything we do. It's good to say, I think that what we're doing is good. But all of it, starting with my life and how I live my life and what I believe and the books that I like, the preachers that I like, the the kinds of theology and doctrine that I like, the kinds of ways I want to live my life, raise my family, work in my workplace, spend my money and give my money away, all of those things, how I use my gifts. And like this weekend, I love it. I think it's one of the, you know, if only people were weird like us or whatever, we could do band camps, we could patent it and take it around. I believe in what you guys did yesterday. And we could have worship teams everywhere making funny songs about their pastors and parts of the service and whatever it is. (laughs) Amen. (laughs) Be passionate about what God has revealed to us. But oh, it's so, so fine a line between look what the Lord has done and Look what the Lord, I mean, myself has, and we are doing. This book is going to chop you at the knees. That's a good thing. It's going to clarify some of the things that you maybe have stapled onto your confession of faith. We read this book, we receive this book humbly. And when we receive it like that, I hope every week we end by giving God glory. (laughs) Amazed that we're even in the room. As a contemporary author, David Zoll, he wrote, uh, and I think this is so true, and I I want to ensure, I think as we receive Galatians, we're, we're being inoculated from this. He said, American Christianity, American Christianity, now is in crisis. And I think that's where he misses it because it's always been in crisis. (laughs) We just read that. American Christianity now is in crisis in large part, again, he he didn't realize it's been going on since day one, in large part because people have marketed it, as in what we believe, as a religion of good people getting better. (laughs) This has been going on since Galatians. Chapter 1, verse 1. American Christianity, Christianity has always been in crisis in large part because people have marketed it, believed in it, said it like that, did it like that, marketed it as a religion, a system of beliefs of good people getting better. 
And I love, but this is the best part. When in fact, it is a religion of bad people coping with the failure, their failure to be good. <laughs> this is what we're after. We're bad people. We've sinned. And now, because of his grace, we're able to cope with our failure to try to be good. <laughs> Going back and back and back to this gospel. Trusting that it's from the Lord himself for us. I pray we're like the Thessalonians, which the, the Thessalonians were getting letters from Paul either before or right after. Everyone argues over it. I'm going to argue that it's after. But listen, he writes to them. There's just this little snippet, and I think that we read over it. If you're familiar with your Bible in 1 Thessalonians, this is where I'm ending. This is my prayer for us, that we would be like the Thessalonians. and not Well, we could be like the Bereans too, but I don't think that's what's going on here, that we'd go look at it, then go home, search the scriptures, and try to figure it out. Because let me tell you, it's going to be real plain and simple. Paul's not cutting any, uh, he's not adding anything to it here, not making it very complex. It's going to be in your face. But for the Thessalonians, he said, and may this be us as well. We also thank God constantly for this. That when you receive the word of God, which you heard from us, Paul speaking, the apostles, those sent by Jesus. When you, when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it, not as the word of men, but as it, what it really is. The word of God, which is at work in you believers may, may that be our testimony over the next few months that we receive it as what it really is the word of god at work in us would you pray with me father thank you for your words into a dark world your light shines and we rejoice that in it we see our Savior's face. We see your Son and what he's done for us. And so, Father, I simply pray today that we would receive it. As we have been receiving it, I do believe we've been receiving it. All the more we would open our Bibles on Sunday mornings and all week long looking into these words, hoping, praying, humbly submitting to every article and verb and noun and adjective listening for your voice eager to receive eager to receive and ultimately eager to rejoice that you might be glorified for all that you have done for us and who you are to begin with we pray in jesus name amen Amen.